The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10, we're just going to look at verses 1 and 2, and a message I've entitled, Strange Fire, Strange Fire from Leviticus 10, verses 1 and 2, Strange Fire, you'll see the title in the first verse. Please follow along, I pray this will be a blessing to you this morning. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 of Leviticus chapter 10. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered, everyone, strange fire. They offered what? Strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord." The story of Nadab and Abihu is a tragic story. They had the pedigree. They were the sons of Aaron. They were in the priestly line. So they had the pedigree. They definitely had the preparation. They were prepared and trained to be the assistant priests there in the temple. So they had the pedigree. They had the preparation. They had so much potential because of those things. And yet, we see that it all ultimately was unrealized and was wasted because they made a bad decision and went their own way, and God, God struck them down for that. They set a bad example in front of the people, and so God set an example out of them. And simply this morning, we don't want to be like these two young men. None of us here want to be like these two young men. We, you may have the pedigree. And you certainly have good preparation. You're here in a place where you're training to serve the Lord. And you have great potential. One of the blessings of speaking here is just, is just seeing the potential. I just am so blessed every time I'm behind this pulpit because I look out and see so much potential. And I think to myself, where will these young people end up? Where will they serve? How will God use them? Oh, this is amazing. The potential in this room. But that could all go unrealized and become wasted. And this story can be repeated down through time. The circumstances may be different. The basic principles are the same. And we need to learn from this today. First of all, before I get into the points of my message, I want us to consider one important lesson here. And that is this. Even the most extravagant religious service for the Lord can be rejected by him. Even the most extravagant religious service done in the name of God can be rejected by God. And we see this throughout the Bible. God rejected Cain's service. He ruined the picture uh, that God was trying to create with the sacrificial system. Instead of offering a lamb, he offered the works of his hands and the fruit of the field. And God said, I don't accept. We see that God did not accept Saul's service when he disregarded God's authority and did things on his own, and God said, I don't accept. In fact, the kingdom will be taken from you. 
Saul. The kingdom will be taken from you. In Isaiah, we see that uh, the whole nation of Israel, the whole nation of Israel were, were offering diligent sacrifices to the Lord, it seemed. But God said, I don't accept because I know your heart's not right. Your heart's not in it. Your heart's not right. So I don't accept. And then, of course, Matthew 7 Uh, 22, 23, one of the scariest verses in the Bible that says many will say in that day, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't have it memorized verbatim, but many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and your name did wonderful works and cast out devils and all of that, and God said, Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. I have no personal relationship with you. You were doing things in my name, but I had no personal relationship with you. And the passage says many, many will say that in that day. So, hey, we understand this this morning. Just participating in a worship service doesn't mean that you are actually worshiping the Lord or that your worship is accepted by God. And I think we need to consider that up front. So in this case, it's clear God rejected the sacrifices of these two sons of Aaron and they were newly appointed priests. The sacrificial system was just getting going. Aaron had just completed the first sacrifice And these two boys wanted to get in on the glory. In fact, let's look at the scene. Go to the passage before. Let's look at chapter 9, verses 22 through 24. Uh, uh, So uh, previous to this, there had been this incredible display of favor and blessing by God as Aaron uh, starts the sacrifices. Look at what it says in verses 22 through 24. And Aaron, he was the high priest, lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them. And came down from the offering of the sin offering, and the burnt offering, and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. This this effulgent energy, this, this awesome display of light, the glory of God. In verse 24, and there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. So this fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice as a sign of God's approval. And so this is simple. We, We turn the page and we see Nadab and Abihu trying to replicate the same thing, but they did they did the wrong kind of sacrifice in the wrong way for the wrong reason. They said, Boy, we just saw fire come down from heaven. I'd like to see that again, wouldn't you? And God called it strange, foreign, illegitimate, unwarranted, strange fire. Strange fire. We can understand their mindset. They just saw this amazing display and wanted to share in that. Wanted to see it again. Wanted it repeated. They said that fire was amazing. How, how many of you are? How many of you are uh, budding pyromaniacs? Would you raise your hand up high? Any of you like fire out there? Am I the only one? Okay, a few of you. Be honest. You like fire. How many of you really like fire? Come on. Okay, I do. Okay. I do too. In fact, when I was young, it was, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. Uh, my parents had to hide matches, blow torches, things like that. They had to hide those. <laughs> um, one time, 
Um, I was using a magnifying glass to create a little fire in my backyard and it got out of hand and I ended up burning down part of a five acre field behind the backyard. So my mom looks out the kitchen window, I'm standing there with a magnifying glass as fire is shooting up behind me, you know? And it was like, uh, oops, <laughs> you know, sorry about that. They called the fire department, they had to, they had to uh, put that out. Praise God they were able to do that, but uh, I was a little pyromaniac and my parents had to help me with that. I got therapy, I'm okay today. <laughs> okay, but anyway, uh, <laughs> any fire around? <laughs> no. Uh, so I learned a hard lesson though that day. I learned a lesson that day, I'm joking. I, I learned a lesson, don't, don't play with fire. But these boys, you can understand. However, in their quest to see this happen, they disregarded some important requirements for the sacrificial system. And I would add some requirements for being blessed by God in his service. That's what I'm speaking on this morning. If you want to, you have the pedigree, you have the preparation, you have the potential. If you want to be used by God to the greatest extent possible, you have to do things his way. God's work has to be done his way. And if you, if you get in line with God's work and you submit to God's work and you participate in God's work, God is going to use you in an, in an amazing way. So let's consider what they ignored. Three important issues that were necessary to be used by God, they ignored. And let's consider them this morning. First of all was the issue of authority. The issue of authority. You see, only the high priest was supposed to sacrifice in this way. Only Aaron, and Aaron had just started doing that, and he was the high priest, so only he was designated to do this kind of sacrifices. Notice verse 1, they were the sons of Aaron. They were helpers, they were assistants, but they were not to do the sacrifice in this way, only Aaron the high priest. So they were subordinate to Aaron. They were under Aaron, not only because he was the high priest, but because he was their father. And so I think of the authority that they disregarded here. They disregarded Aaron, their father. They disregarded Moses, who had given the law. They said, you know, we heard that, but we're going to do our own thing here, and God will accept it. And they disregarded God because the passage clearly says at the end of verse 1, God commanded them not to do this. God did not lead in this. God was not leading. God was not directing. A lot, of, a lot of foolish things get blamed on God. When we really didn't diligently seek God for, for his leadership, we just did our own thing and expect God to just put a stamp of approval on it. And that's what happened here. They were just doing their own thing in the name of God, but they disregarded God's authority, which brings us to an important point. We will not be fully blessed by God or used by God until we submit to God and his authority, the authority he has ordained for our life. We will not be fully blessed by God unless we submit to his authority. Our parents in, in, in the home, our pastors as the ministerial authority in our life. And, uh, and we, don't, we, we don't have to ask our pastor if we should buy a car, but... Uh, he's not the authority over everything, but when we walk into the do doors of the church, he is this ministerial authority in our life there, and we should submit to that. We should say, I, I need this. I need pastoral leadership and accountability in my life. Uh, parents, pastors, your civic leaders in the community, when you go to work, you're going to have a boss. 
And so we submit to them. Unless, unless, unless they're, they're, we're in physical danger or they're asking us to sin, we submit to them. In the Lord, we do it as unto the Lord. Now, right now, right now in your life, your parents are, are the major authority in your life, the primary, primary authority for most of you. You say, well, I'm here at college. I understand that. But, but uh, your parents still are the, the primary authority in your life. When I came to PCC back in 1984, okay, when I came back to PCC in 1984, um, my, I just, I just realized how long ago that was uh, and how old I am. Just realized it. Anyway, when I came here, my, my dad said, this is where we would like you to go, Tim. And I submitted to my parents' authority and came here. And I, I'm blessed today because I did. I submitted to my dad's authority. He said, this is where we'd like you to go. Yes. When I got here, I, I, uh, I started dating. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Um, and so I was doing uh, some dating and uh, wasn't going well. And I would call my mom and she'd say, that, that doesn't, it doesn't sound, Tim, this doesn't sound to be like the girl for you. And, and she would, she, you know, she would always be negative, it seemed like. And I was like, Mom, what? you know, she said, just, it, I, don't, I don't feel right about this. And so uh, my fifth year, that's a long story, but my fifth year, my second senior year, on the first day I met my wife-to-be, Stacy, and uh, I started dating Stacy, and I was only dating her a short while when my mom and dad just happened to make a trip down here, and I'll never forget this. We weren't talking dating. We were just starting to get to know each other, but my mom and dad were standing there. I, I introduced Stacy to them, and we we're talking for a while. All of a sudden, my mom's very emotional. All of a sudden, my mom starts crying, and she goes, Tim, I just think this is the one. <laughs> I go, Mom! You should have seen the look on Stacy's face. It's like, oh, man. And I said, oh, please. Um, I had to, boy, I had to help her with that, okay? I said, well, let's, let's bring this down here, okay? But Mom said, I think this is the one. Hey, folks, folks, when I walked down that aisle, actually, I didn't, she did. <laughs> Praise God. Don't judge me. Okay. <sighs> That's old age right there too. When she walked on the aisle and I received her, my dad participated in the service and I had their full blessing. Listen, young people, you want to enter into adult life with your parents' full support if you can get it. Because life gets really challenging and you need that, you need that parental approval. And I had my parents' blessing all the way. When you go around and skirt the authority in your life, you're only hurting yourself. You're only hurting yourself. They went around God's authority here. I'm going to move quickly. Uh, well, I'm just going to make this point. Uh, I think the Bible is clear on this. Unless you are financially independent and not living under your parents' roof, you are to submit to them. Certainly at marriage you become independent. Genesis 2.24 says you leave your father and mother and cleave unto your wife. Uh, the man becomes the leader of the home and and the wife leads the authority of her parents. What about single people? Well, Jesus was single at age 30, and he was independent, the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 7 says a single young lady is under her father's authority until she's married, assuming she's in her father's house. 
Because Numbers chapter 30 says that a father can disannul his daughter's vows if she is young and in his house. The implication there is if she leaves the house and she's financially independent, well, then her vows are her own. So unless you are financially independent and out from your parents' house, those two things, then you are to submit to them. You are still under their authority. You're not an autonomous adult until you're financially independent and out from their house. And so parents are a, a, a primary authority in your life. You, why would you go around that? Pastors, civic leaders, your, your bosses, all of that we should submit to and we're blessed. We're always going to be under authority. So we would be wise to just submit to what God has brought in our life as a protection. So the issue of authority, number two, the issue of functionality. The issue of functionality. You see, God had set up specific rules for how the sacrificial system was to be operated. You find that in Exodus 30. There was symbolism in each part of the, of the system. And so God says, I want it done this time of the day. I want it done this way. Only fire from the altar is used. Don't bring fire from outside. All these different rules. And God had a reason. Symbolism. Well, these boys just ignored it. The passage says they took their own censers. They didn't use the, the one designated one. They took their own. They brought in fire from the outside and mixed it in. And God said, I don't accept. And he, of course, he had a severe uh, punishment for that. You know what I found, young people, in the word of God? God is particular. Would you say that with me, please? God is particular, especially in how he is represented. It's not just good enough that we present God. We need to represent him well. It's not just good enough to present God. We have to represent him well. The apostle Paul says that he is holy, harmless, separate from sinners. In him is light and no darkness at all. And that's how God needs to be represented to the world. The right image of Jesus has to be represented. So we can't just present God however we want to. You say, why would these boys do this? It was pure presumption. They thought, well, well, God will have, I mean, we're doing it sincerely, but they did it on their own terms to manipulate God's response. In other words, they were saying, as long as I desire to be used by God, it doesn't matter how I do that. As long as I'm sincere and I desire to be used by God, it doesn't matter how I do it. That's not true. This is prevalent in churches in America. I, I, can't, I can't just escape this point. It's so important that we understand. Women are teaching over men and pastoring churches. That's clearly against the New Testament. You, you have, you have the, this uh, incorporating morally degrading aspects of the culture into the church. That's against the New Testament. You have, you have uh, these maverick ministries started by people that are not under pastoral leadership. They're not under local church accountability. That's against the New Testament. You have immodesty in dress. You have false teaching. You have all this going on in the name of the Lord. And the idea is I'm sincere. We're doing it in God's name. God will bless it. God's not working if you go against his way. He is particular. 
But when we go God's way and we say, I want to do things God's way, then God blesses and God's fire comes down in a good way. In a good way. And so these boys, they were, they were presumptuous and uh, they went against the function, functionality of God. What did, what did God say to Saul through, through the prophet? He said to Saul, who went against his way of doing sacrifices, he said to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And so we see the issue of authority. We must, we must submit to God's authority, his ordained authority in our life. The issue of functionality, we must do things God's way in order to be blessed. And young people, if you'll, if you'll receive that and take that as a good thing, you say, God, I want to be used by you. Show me your way, not my way, your way. You're going to be blessed. God's going to do some great things through you. The last one is the issue of purity. The issue of purity. Why was it called strange fire? Well, because there were, I, I've already mentioned it somewhat, but there were two types of fire used in temple service, tabernacle service. There were two types of fire. One was a common fire. And this is what I understand studying it through. Uh, it was a common type of fire that was used to like boil the flesh of the animals and prepare them and whatever. But then there was a holy fire. And the holy fire was used for the sacrifice. In fact, there was this, there was this per perpetual incense. There was this, this main altar. And the holy fire, as I understand it, could only come from there. You couldn't use any other fire than that. You couldn't, you couldn't bring a burning coal from somewhere else. You could only use burning coals that were used for sacrifices the way God designated the sacrifices to be made. Why, why was this the case? Because God wanted to make a distinction, a symbolic statement, a distinction between that which is holy and that which is profane or polluted. He was making a statement. This is holy. Don't corrupt it with that which is common or profane or polluted from somewhere else. I will bless this. Don't bring in the other. And these boys were trying to mix two fires. Simple. They were trying to mix two fires. They got their fire from somewhere else. In fact, verse 9 seems to indicate they were drunk when they did it. Because right after they died, God makes a command, hey, tell all the priests not to uh, be drunk with alcohol when they're doing the service. So it seems that they, were, they, they, got, they, they got inebriated and they weren't thinking right and they bring in this other fire which was strange foreign fire, put it on the altar there and that's the problem. I hope this isn't a stretch application. I don't think it is. But where do you get your fire? Where do you get your fire? From God? I talked to a young man, not here from the college. I talked to a young man and I said to him, I said, he was a high school student. And I said to him, um, I, I, I'll never forget this conversation. Uh, I said to him, what would you like to do uh, after high school, what would you like to do? Oh, his eyes lit up, and he said, um, I want to I wanna be a video game creator and animated stories, and 
And uh, he started telling me about that. And he went on and on and was excited that I wanted to listen and hear about this. And I was saying, what kind of video games? And he was trying to explain to me. And uh, I'm not a video game person, but he was trying to explain. And I said, wow, you know. And then I just said this, well, if that's what the Lord wants you to do, is that what God wants you to do? That's all I said. And wow, did his demeanor change. Wow, did he clam up. Before he was excited. Now he's like, why did you bring up God? I wonder, where are we getting our fire from? Are we getting our fire from personal ambition? Like these boys? Or are we getting our fire from God? Now here's what we need to do, everyone, including myself. We have the righteousness of Christ in us through the Holy Spirit. When we receive Christ, we received his righteousness. Now we cooperate with the Spirit, and here's what we do. We make our little altar every morning. We get in the Word. We pray, and we say, God, what do you want me to do? And God leads us through his Spirit and directs us into his will. And we, the sacrifices on our altar are ourself. We put ourself on the altar and say, not my way, God. I'm putting myself on the altar this morning. Your way. I want your way. And God, through the Holy Spirit, shows us his way. Otherwise, we're doing our own thing and we're getting fire from somewhere else. I don't know about you, but I want my fire from God. I want to get my energy for the ministry, my motivation for living from God. Not from myself, not from this wicked world, not from anywhere else. So you pray for me, I'll pray for you. Let's make sure we get our fire from God. These boys ignored that. And they didn't, they didn't follow God's requirements for purity. Look at this verse. We're going to put it up on the screen. James 1.27. Boy, if we're right with God, this will fuel true religious service. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted for the, from the world. You know what we see? If we're motivated by God and we're getting our fire from God, it's going to lead to pure religious service, which in many cases is unseen. You don't need a large audience. You do it before God. In many cases, it's, it's unreal, uh, unrequited. This says you do it to fatherless and widows. They can't pay you back. So you have no personal agenda. James 1 says you do it before God, and you do it to people that can't pay you back, so you have no personal agenda. And then last of all, you keep yourself unspotted from the world, so it's always untainted from the world. And God said, that's pure religion. That's real religion. That's the religion I bless. When, when you just do it before me, no matter if anybody sees, you do it with no personal agenda and you do it with a pure heart before me. I'm gonna bring my fire down in a good way. In this case, God brought his fire down in a bad way. And we don't want that to happen. Let me encourage you, read your Bible. Pray, seek fire from God's altar. Serve where he shows you wherever possible. Maybe a mundane service, doesn't matter. Just serve where God leads. Submit to the authority and ask God to help you stay pure. And if you do that, God will use you. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. 
Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.